1: sha la to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of Americanpartisan.org, and of course, hosted by me, the commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, NC Scout. And I am joined a very awesome interview with, uh, been In a lot of authors' interviews here recently, and I can 100% credit this to the very awesome crowd at the Council on Future Conflict, which meets three days a week and sometimes a little bit more than that and you can catch that live stream on YouTube but I have the author very famous author New York Times best-selling author of multiple books from many different genres but he has written Blue Dawn which we're going to be discussing in this episode Mr. Blaine Pardo what's up brother hey
0: Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I always like talking a little bit of civil unrest in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
1: looking over your resume as a writer and seeing that you have covered all these different genres, you've got science fiction in there, you've got horror in there, you've got crime thrillers in there. And you you kind of jump into this, you know, crazy world of of prepper fiction, of civil unrest fiction. Um, you know, we, we, I'm very close friends with uh, some of the authors and and uh, that are pretty well-known in this genre and uh, have been on some of their podcasts and had them on mine. And, uh, you know, guys like Glenn Tate and uh, Angry American, uh, Chris Weatherman, um, you know, and, and having Colonel Mike Bennett on this morning and uh, Matt Bracken, you know, early on in, in the show's history. And so having... Having having all of you authors on is really uh, awesome for me because I get to experience, you know, where you're coming from and how you see things and really what drew you into this. So coming from a very different uh, background as an author, what got you to to paying attention to you know the the United States and what what was your wake up call and your impetus to write? blue dawn. Yeah,
0: you know, what it really boiled down to is I, I think conservatives have a real hard time or normal Americans articulating what it would be if the progressives got everything they wanted. And, you know, I, I don't think we actually spell that out real well, because it, it's a frightening thing. And so for years, I've been mulling around various scenarios to do a book about an Amer- a second American Civil War. And when Trump became president, it became okay. Now the door's open because I knew right off the bat uh, there was going to be a lot of tension and conflict, you know, with him being there. And God, I, I was proven right. Um, and, and I really took a look at it and said, how do I articulate this in a way that an average person who doesn't want to read like a nonfiction book, who wants to just be entertained, how can I tell a story that will get them to go, oh my God, this is. This is actually possible. And if it happens, this is what it would look like, and and kind of get that visceral reaction from a reader. How could I do that? And I went back and forth with a lot of different scenarios. There were various chapters I created and sat on for years where I was like, I know this chapter, I want it in there, but I don't know who the characters are going to be yet or anything else and how it's all going to weave together. And especially as we got closer to the 2020 era, you know, 2019, I was like, okay, I could see what was going on with the election. And I said, okay, you know what, now's the time to do this. And I wrote the book prior to the election. So it would actually went to the publisher and stuff, middle of the summer. But I really kind of laid out a scenario where right off the bat, you know, how this would unfold if the progressives got everything they wanted and it becomes a totalitarian state where they lock up conservatives or anybody who doesn't agree with them in social quarantine camps they turn antifa loose as an army of brown shirts called social enforcement Um, you know they tear apart the american flag they do away with the national anthem they yeah, you know, complete indoctrination system. They invoke reparations as a reward system for kind of social awards, which we're seeing out of China and we're starting to see now in the investment community. All of that takes place. So I set the book five years after all of that is in place. And it's a story about people who rise up against that. And it's not a, gee, we're trying to get back to the way things were. It's, hey, we want to get back to a sense of normalcy. And I think that's where a lot of conservatives are. It's not that they want to roll the clock back, but they want to get back to where they can kind of feel that things are normal and things are not normal now. And we're seeing what happens when the progressives get in power and they become totalitarian. I, I saw the president of our country get up and say, look, if you're in favor of making America great again, you are a threat to the American democracy. You are a domestic terrorist, is what he was essentially saying. I, I never thought I would see that. But in many respects, I, I talk to that in the book. You know, it's they're, they're really it wasn't intended for them to use this as a manual. But in some respects, I kind of feel like they're going down that path.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, it, you know, that perspective draws Orwellian overtones to it too and orwellian parallels because it's not intended to be a roadmap it's intended to be a warning you know don't do this 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 is where you're headed you know i think that's very interesting one of the things that you pointed out was that when they introduce uh essentially theocratic reward system the, the very same things that you'll find the left and the right, but, but more so on the left, you'll find them criticizing the idea of theocracy um, very, very frequently. And, you know, they always will point at Iran, which Iran's a a very worthy opponent to point at. And, and it's a pretty good example of this, uh, of, of theocracy in motion, although Saudi Arabia is too, and, and they very conveniently forget about that one. But, The left says, you know, oh, well, we don't want to live in a theocratic state. And yet, uh, really interestingly, I did a podcast recently with Mike Belcher, uh, who's running for office in New Hampshire and and him growing up uh, in a very far left household. Um, both of his parents were dyed in the wool communists and he himself was a, uh, environmental activist before he kind of woke up and realized, you know, he had been so deeply indoctrinated into the stuff that he realized that, uh, it unto itself is a type of religion. And he comes at, at his, he, he kind of came to conservatism, With that perspective, understanding it, wait a minute, this is the religion of the left. Marxism is the religion of the left. Maoism is the religion of the left. Frankfurt School is the religion of the left. And they absolutely will follow the same model if the people do not wake up. This is exactly what they're going to do. And there is very little difference between totalitarianism in China versus Iran. Versus what we are seeing, the the growing menace of it here domestically in the United States. So I think you pointing that out is succinct, uh, very succinct and incredibly relevant and necessary today.
0: Well, the way I tackle it in the book is, you know, we've seen it already with all these cries of let's tax the churches. Okay, that's the starting point of this. And, And by the time you see it in the book, it's five years after The progressives have overthrown the government and they can't have other voices be the moral voice for the people. That's why you've seen all these attacks with the abortion issue on the Catholic church. They don't want someone else to be there offering moral guidance to the people. They want the state to offer moral guidance. That's the only place you should be able to go for your morality is to the government, so I tackle it very directly. I have a priest character in there, who, who you know is, is part of all of this and, and is a target and has seen his church decimated under this type of regime. But yeah, they they cannot have an alternate voice. You can't have somebody else saying, and that's why the attacks on the American family are so prevalent right now. They don't want the American parents. To have a say over their children they want the schools to have a say because they control them they want the government to have a say over what the kids think etc yeah it, people say it's indoctrination but it's really a matter about control and it's control of the morals and values of the nation and that's something i really tried to weave into the book you know again it's a piece of fiction but it's gotten very close ties to the realities of how, where they're going. I mean, these guys provide me material. I've already on book five right now of the series. So these guys keep feeding me new material because they keep coming up with stuff every day.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you're right. And, and, you know, that's exactly where we're headed, you know, like it or not, if, if, Anybody looks back five years, we look five years into the past. We look at the, the very end of the Obama years, the Obama, uh, the, the eight years, al- almost a decade. And we look at the, the advent of the Trump presidency, the, the rise of Trump. We look at where we were then. Now, you know, we, we get into two years of the Biden administration. All right. We're we're approaching two years of this. And look at how far we've come in 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 you know going down the road of of progressive hell, essentially. Look at how quickly this stuff has happened and this has taken hold. People kind of you know, the I, I don't like to use cliche analogies, but the the frog boiling in the pot, in, in the pot is very realistic. And I think probably the the best analogy that, that I can use in this example, because that's exactly where we are. And the water is beginning to hit that boiling point right now that, you know, people are looking around and like, man, how in the world did we get here? Well, we got here because people were, were content. Number one, they were, you know, maybe upset about this policy, that policy, but at the end of the day, is, is this the hill I'm going to die on? No, right? But all of a sudden, you're going to run out of hills to die on. You're, you know, well, you know, this, that, or the other, and I'm not. But now we're reaching a point where people really are lashing back, where they've said, you know, I, this, this is a bridge too far. You know, sexualizing children. I pointed this out a, a while back, When I saw the reaction from the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland, the reaction to uh, school board meetings of, of, of parents going to school board meetings and all of a sudden, oh, they're domestic terrorists, right? The language that came out of them out of the DOJ was purposefully extreme because they were trying to deter that. That is very scary to them, grassroots activity because they're taking control. They're retaking that control and it's a challenge to your authority, right? And so they know that, that all politics began at the local most level and they have a trickle up effect. And that, that's something, you know, all of us uh, have, have been desperately trying to advocate to, to wake people up. And it, it seems like it's finally taking effect, um, but that's what it's gonna take, at least in my opinion. What do you think it's going to take? How do we get off of this wagon? How, how do we do this and, and speculate if we will, if, if you will, how we're going to avoid bloodshed, because I, I don't think unfortunately we will, but if we could, how we could avert that.
0: Well, you know, I think a lot of this is, I, I put it akin to poking a bear, You know, we saw the Biden speech a few weeks ago where he was labeling us as extremists for daring to believe that we America could be a great country. Um, When I saw that, I, I said what he's trying to. And I told my wife this. I said he's trying to get us to overreact. That's what he wants is he's told everybody we're radical. We're dangerous. We're a threat. January 6th, they hold up as some sort of banner. They think that's a 9 11 type thing, when in reality, it was this large protest slash trespassing event that took place. It wasn't, you know, there was no scenario where the government was going to be overthrown or anything else. And if there was, they would have charged somebody with treason. They would have charged them. You know, with, you know, an insurrection, not a single person's been charged with that, but they're looking for us to overreact. So you want to avoid all of this. And that is we have to be the calm heads here and and rein in kind of our radical groups that are out there that go, hey, let's load up our guns and go shoot things up. Yeah, you know, the other thing that's really going to have to take place is we have to grab more control over the media. And I don't think Elon Musk is any huge fan of conservatives, but you look at what he's already stirred the pot on with Twitter just by saying, look, we're just going to open the platform up and let people talk. And immediately the reaction of all the Twitter users was you can't do that. You can't allow free speech. They literally show their cards every single time. And that, what they're trying to do as much as possible is provoke us to do something stupid. And we can't fall for that. We have to be smart. We have to know, okay, they're going to try to cheat at everything they do, be it polls, be it at the voting you know, poll booths. They're going to try a lot of stuff and we have to be vigilant and we have to be smart. It's always easy to cheat the first time. It's really hard the second time because people are watching you. Know? And that's going to play to our advantage, I think, in a couple weeks here. And I think it's going to play to our advantage you know, in 2024. But we've got to be smart. We've got to be crafty. And we've got to be vocal. And we can't be afraid. I see so many of these candidates who are unwilling to come out and say, I'm against critical race theory. Right. They won't say it because they're like, I, you know, and I talked to somebody at a local level in Culpeper County, Virginia, who said, well, I can't do that. If I say that I'm against critical race theory, what am I going to say when I knock on the door of a black voter? You know, they're going to be mad at me. And I'm like, tell them where you stand. What good are your values if you don't articulate them and you don't stand by them? If you're afraid to tell people, this is what I believe in. This is what I cherish. This is what's important to me. If I can't do that, and, and if our candidates can't do it, we shouldn't be electing them to office because they won't, if they won't stand up to a single voter and say, This is what I believe, they're certainly not going to stand up to their Democratic you know, counterparts and say that either. So we've got to elect the right people. We can't just throw bodies at this. And I think we're getting smarter about it. I'm seeing some really top quality candidates coming up in this election locally. Uh, And they're sticking to the actual, you know, meat and potatoes issues. And I say that with a slight pun, but meat and potatoes is a big issue right now. I got to be able to afford food and gas. You know, I heard the Biden administration bragging about how they lowered gas prices, et cetera. Well, now they're going up. And they're going up even more with this destruction of the Nord pipeline today. And so, okay, well you control the gas prices. What are you going to do? You know, We literally have to be able to stand up and call them out for what they're doing. And say what you will about guys like DeSantis who send up immigrants up to Martha's Vineyard, which I thought was freaking entertaining. That was brilliant. brilliant. That was brilliant. I will tell you this. The next morning, my wife said, let's watch Good Morning America. And I said, I hate watching the liberal TV, but we, (laughs) we watched it. You know what? Lead story was the immigrant crisis. They showed footage of immigrants crossing at the border. They said we have a crisis. They started quoting some of the numbers of immigrants who come across. Now they said it was bad that he sent those people up there, etc. But when the mainstream media starts actually going, okay, there's a problem. Right, there's a problem. And right. I saw it today at the gym that CNN they were showing it. So,
1: yeah. well, it, I mean, breaking it down, you know, they. They sent fifty people, okay, fifty people to Martha's Vineyard. Fifty people. All right, Martha's Vineyard is not a small place, okay. It, it, that that's not a small place. It is a uber exclusive place, and and I think that uh, you know you mentioned critical race theory and being a pollster and you know worried about that. There is no greater example of liberal hypocrisy than what DeSantis was able to demonstrate in brilliant fashion. They had 50 people there, and they used military force through the National Guard to remove those people. Not law enforcement not their little friendly cops wearing their polos out there probably aren't even armed because they have such a polite society. Right. And, and I'll go on and say it, they've got such a lily white society up there. Right. Because they do Uber exclusive, you know, this is the the embodiment of the 1%. And what do they do? They use military force. It's a perfect, it's very ironic that a lot of the the, uh, so-called Marxists on the left that are in the positions of power were so quick to defend this because this is very clearly exactly what Marx pointed out uh, in in the Communist Manifesto and, and even more succinctly in Das Kapital. You know, and so there it is. There's a perfect example right there of the bourgeois not wanting the proletariat to encroach on their their little fiefdom that they've set aside for themselves. And that that's really what this is all about. That's what it all boils down to. That's what the poisoning of the education system boils down to. That's what you know the the absolute binary thought, the critical race theory, that's what it all boils down to because now if if the lower classes the masses so to speak are now focused on infighting they're not really focused on that top echelon, those power elite. They're not really concentrating on them anymore because they're, they're really more worried about fighting amongst themselves. Ah, And see, now if you disincentivize them from being able to open their own businesses, from entrepreneurship, now you have created status for yourself. And so those people are not going to make it. And when you dumb down the public education system, incrementally over time you know they've dumbed down math they've dumbed down handwriting kids aren't aren't required to learn cursive anymore in in elementary school you know so they're coming out of they're coming out of schools you know barely educated the functional literacy rate is going down and so you have a, a inverse relationship between functional literacy and the crime rate and we're seeing that and then you have all the other toxins on top of that you have uh over-prescription of, of ssris overprescription of behavioral modification drugs that, that are amphetamine based um you know and all of these things are creating a toxic brew you know so it's it's absolutely brilliant what he did and that's you're exactly right it's putting it into perspective um you know, along those lines, what are some of the other steps that you're seeing? We, you know, there's so much doom and gloom and and you're giving us a ray of hope. So what, what's the next step in all this?
0: You know, as it's playing out right now for us, I think what we've got to do is make sure that this, the next few elections are fair and just that they're never perfect. And, 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 and I resent the fact that the administration keeps saying this last election from the presidency was somehow this pristine event that was beyond question. There hasn't been one of those since the first election of George Washington, which was and there was probably some some elbow bending back then, too. But, you know, we, we've got to be able to question things and not have people. If I listen to the radio here and I live outside D.C. right now, I live in Fredericksburg and you listen to the radio and they say, well, the last election, you know, people are pushing this false, disproven narrative that the election was fraudulent. And I'm like, how was it disproven? Because I haven't seen anybody disprove it. I've seen courts not accept court cases on it, but it's, it's not there. We've gotta be willing to push back. We have to develop our own economies in many respects. Um, what I've learned, I got canceled. Um, because I wrote Blue Dawn and because I voiced my conservative beliefs, one of my science fiction publishers canceled me in favor of the stalker who I have a per- protective threat or a protective order against. This, it was absolutely stupid. But what I found is there's a lot of conservatives out there who, go, who have contacted me and said, OK, fine, you can come write for us. We'll take you you're an established author, you've got a fan base that'll follow you, we want you to write for us, we don't care what your politics are, or we agree with them. And I found that community is out there, there is a parallel economy out there. And conservatives have to speak in two places, in my opinion, the ballot box, and with your wallet, and the wallet works. So when they come out and say, you know, oh, they're going to boycott Goya, Remember when they were do- the, the progressives were going to boycott oh, Goya? Yeah. Goya oh, yeah. sales went up 300%. Yep. That parallel economy exists right now, and it's right in front of us. You have to seek it out. So spend your money with companies and, and, and corporations that you are comfortable with. I don't buy Coke products. I don't. I don't like the way that they've decided to target white people in, within their company. I think it's wrong. any, it's the same thing. It has nothing to do with being white. It has the same thing as if they had targeted a black person or an Asian person or whatever, right? I'm against that. You don't do that. So I buy Pepsi products and and I'm not saying Pepsi is better than Coke, but I'm not going to give Coke my money. I buy books from authors who I know who have the similar sets of beliefs. I do now. I will read books by liberals as well. But I know up front what I'm getting into, and I, and I know what their politics are. If I choose to do that, that's how I spend my money. But I've been shifting a lot more of my spend over to conservative entities, because that's the way you're going to change things. It's with your vote and your wallet. And that's how we will drive things to be changed in this country, because these other companies that go with these woke agendas, they will go out of business at some point. You can't pander to the progressives and satisfy all their needs because they change their needs constantly. Their demands are never ending. They always have to have a target, they always have to have something they're going after. So, you know, let them destroy those companies that want to go down that path. Let them do it. Yeah. And I've noticed since the whole thing with Coke, for example, my wife and I noticed. A lot of mom and pop restaurants have ditched Coke products and brought in Pepsi. That's that what's too. going to work.
1: And yeah. well, to to your last point there, you know, local local restaurants keep the biggest thing too is keep your money local as much as possible. You know, it, it, instead of hitting up a, a fast food chain that, that's you know across the nation go to one that, you know, if, if you're going to be eating out, go to a local place, you know, go to that local greasy spoon, go, you know, go support a local economy that's locally based. Um, You know, I do that. I, you know, I, I, my parents really taught me the value of that when I was growing up and, and growing up in a very rural, mostly impoverished place, um, you know, part of that was out of necessity. Um, but it, it was, it it certainly left a lasting impact of, you know, like, like my mom will never, she will not step foot in Walmart. She will not do it. She would never go back when Kmart was a thing. She would never go in Kmart. She absolutely will not go into Walmart. She's like, no, I, that's, I, I'm going to, if I'm going to shop somewhere, I'm going to go to somewhere that's locally owned. And that's, that has been her mantra. I mean, my dad was like that too. And, um, that's, that's their thing. Um, you know, so it's keeping your money local and, and absolutely you hit them where it hurts. Yeah. Chick-fil-A is another perfect example of that, you know, not, not to go too far down that rabbit hole, but Chick-fil-A, I mean, Chick-fil-A has been around for a long time. I mean, when I was growing up, um, you know, there, I, I do remember one Chick-fil-A, um, in, in, uh, the, the town closest to to the area that I grew up, they they had one and nobody ever really went to it. It, it. I mean, it was just kind of, and then all of a sudden it became, uh, when, um, the owners of the company, you know, started getting outspoken about things. I think it was towards the end of the Obama administration. All of a sudden, you know, it was like they 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 end up having to put in express lanes at lunchtime and like this maze that you have to drive around the place. And it because they've got so many people coming in there. And 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 that's insane to me. I'm not even that big of a fan of their food. I, I don't really don't eat fast food in general. Um, but that's just very interesting. It, it's, it's very interesting that it's, it's all of these outshowings of, of support that are implicit. It's like, okay, I recognize this is what I need to do. And this is what I'm going to do. I might not, I, I might not put it on a bumper sticker and I might not, uh, you know, openly advertise this, you know, we're, we're not all trying to be the Mike Lindells of the world. Uh, but God bless him. I mean, I think he's awesome but they they're you know they're, they're taking that step you know and, and it sounds like you, you found some good publishers that that are along those lines as well it's not
0: just publishers it's businesses in general yeah, yeah the guys that run the daily wire got pissed at harry's razors and started their own razor company and yeah i told my wife i said yeah i i was a dollar shave club i said i'm subscribing to these guys because i know they have the same values same beliefs i do I'm, if I'm going to spend my money, I had no problem with Dollar Shave Club, but I'm going to spend my money with the conservatives. And, right. you know, everybody kind of laughed at his little commercial and and what he did. he had 56,000 people his first month buy into his system. Yeah. So those economies are out there. You just have to have the guts to go, you know, like you said, don't go to the fast food place, eat at mom and pop. Well, you know, don't support a company that doesn't support your values don't give in to them and go support the people that do and if you do that those people will be around when the dust settles because we're coming up on some really tough economic times and i've been calling this for some time but it's going to be brutal what we go through and especially europe this winter is going to be really brutal we're in for some tough economic times, and the companies that are going to be standing are the ones we take care of.
1: Amen, brother. Amen. You know, hit the nail on the head. So, where can folks find you? Where can folks follow you? And most important, where can they support your work?
0: You know, the easiest place to get a hold of me is Facebook, Twitter, etc. I'm still out there fighting the good fight. Um, you want to support me? Go. Buy my books. Just pull up my books on Amazon.com. Don't buy my Battletech books because, you know, hey, they canceled me. Uh, But look at my Blue Dawn books and and look at any of my other. I write True Crime with my daughter. Uh, You know, whatever genre you want, I probably got it covered in some way. Go pick those books and have some fun with those.
1: Hey, man, brother, I am looking forward to diving into Blue Dawn. I've got it on order right now. I got a lot of reading to do. I got a (laughs) lot of reading to catch up on, but anyway, with that said, God bless you and yours. Thank you for being here with us this evening, folks, get out there, support Blaine and everything that he is doing. And we take care of our own. God bless. Take care. And I'll talk to you again. Very, very soon. Thank you. out. Out.